Hello, and welcome to House Lights, the podcast that typically reviews recent entertainment coming from multiple platforms. This week, we will actually be taking a different route. I'm your host, Chandra Fleming, and I'm here with Sean Fagan, a college student from the University of Arizona. For today's episode, we will be discussing what it has been like being a college student from the Midwest compared to a student living on the West Coast during the pandemic. We will be exploring the difficult times, trials and tribulations of our college life, the differences in our government during this time, and also how our lives have been flipped upside down. Welcome, Sean. How are you today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing okay. Doing fine for the most part. So can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is uh, Sean Fagan. I am a, I go to school at the University of Arizona. I am currently a senior majoring in business administration with an emphasis in accounting. Born and raised in Southern California, lived here my entire life, absolutely love it. The unique thing about me is I'm an online student and I actually work for the Walt Disney Company through a program of theirs called Disney Aspire, which allows cast members to go back to school and go 100% for free and they pay all in all books and everything. So I'm actually attending the University of Arizona online from my home here in Southern California, but I absolutely love it. I work for our school newspaper, The Daily Wildcat, our TV news network, UATV3, and our student radio station, Camp Radio, 1570 AM. Absolutely love it. And once I started working there, I remember thinking about, you know, how the pandemic had really shuttered all of us in, especially as college students. And I thought, you know, there's a lot of us out there and there's a lot of other big schools. And I wonder if their newspapers have podcasts too. I wonder if they'd be interested in doing collaborations. So after I asked my editors and they told me that it would be okay, I honestly just started reaching out to hundreds of schools across the country, just seeing who wanted to talk, you know, it could be about anything, about our schools, about what we have been going through, if we like sports, do we like to have catch up on cheeseburgers? I mean, I was willing to talk about anything just to get that connection back with people because I felt it was lost for so long. And I was very happy when school started reaching back out to me and, and it's been a lot of fun and uh, that's why I'm here today. Sounds good, sounds good. So I'll introduce myself as well. My name is Chandra Fleming. I am a junior at Michigan State University studying journalism. And honestly, I at first I was kind of like, wait, someone from another school wants to reach out to us and do a collab on a podcast? I was like, what? But then I was like, okay, this might be cool, this might be cool. But then I thought like, what could we talk about? So today we're going to be talking about COVID and how we found out and how did our universities handle it and just kind of like viewing how the East Coast has been and how the West Coast has handled the situation. So to begin, how did you feel about your university's process of how they handled COVID? So I think U of A did a really good job as did many other universities. I mean, at the moment when things started to get really serious, uh, they shut the school down completely 100%, moved everything to online. And now I was already an online student. And again, I live in Southern California. So I was not particularly, I wasn't in Arizona, but of course, working at the paper, I was reading a lot of stuff and covering it in 2021. But when it initially happened in 2020, I actually wasn't with my news organization. I was just on my own. And I feel that they did a good job because I remember Arizona was one of, they were one of the schools debating whether they were going to stay open or not, but then they chose not to. And then they started to slowly reopen gradually as 2020 went on and then more going into 2021 in phases, as we call it out here. Now, I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. I don't think the transition online to in-person students was very smooth at all. 
not even just for Arizona, but for everywhere, because I know what that transition feels like because I had earned my first degree uh, before going to University of Arizona and I was in person for over four years. So I was already used to online, but I know that everybody else, it was the bumpiest transition ever. And it was tough because completely changing their style of learning would really you know, freak anybody out. So while I think the university handled that well, I don't really think the transition on it to online really helped anybody. But as I said, I think that's something we all have in common. Yes, I totally agree. So at MSU, it went like one day everything was fine. Then the next day we found, well, no, the night we found out that Michigan had their first two cases, the next day we found out, oh, you guys are like going home. And it was kind of abrupt. It was just like, I'm on a bus about to go to my first class and I get this text like, oh, yeah, everything's about to go online. And I remember my professor, he didn't show up for the class, so I had to go back home and I immediately started packing in my dorm, called my mom like, hey, like, I don't know. At first when I went home, I was excited. I was like, I get to go home. Yeah, woo. but I, it didn't, nothing was really like processing, like the closure. I didn't think about everything else closing. Yeah. All of that. So I was excited. And then days later, that's when my governor started closing things. So I think MSU kind of, they wanted to handle it where they wanted to be the first. And they also just wanted to make sure that they were taking the right cautions at first. And I guess that was shutting down immediately. But it also left some students kind of like, now what if we don't want to go home? Or what if home is not exactly home? So they did give some students the options to stay on campus. But if you wanted to go home, you could go home. But then eventually, as like weeks and months went on, they kind of kicked everybody off campus eventually, especially when Governor um, Whitmer had closed everything down. They made, they set up times for people to come back up and get their things. And we did get a refund on our tuition and room and housing, but it did still leave some students kind of just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So how do you think that your governor handled this situation? So... Yeah, so now on this point, I will speak on behalf of the state that I reside in, which is uh, Governor Gavin. Uh, Gavin Newsom is uh, our governor in California. So when everything first started, uh, I don't, I think, I don't know if anyone remembers this, but California was actually the first state to issue a statewide lockdown. We were the first one in the union to shut our state down completely. And at first, I thought, okay, we don't know what this virus is. We don't know how deadly it is. We don't know who it attacks. So if I have to go indoors for two weeks, like I knew it wasn't going to be just two weeks, but let's just play figuratively. I was like, okay, I'll go indoors for two weeks. I'll be with my family. I won't be at work, but at least we can figure out what this is. But then when we started to find things out, but things still were not opening and California was just wavering, sort of teasing people back and forth how I remember when restaurants finally started to open again in June. And we had them maybe for about three weeks. And then the second, fourth of July hit, all of a sudden the governor said, okay, we have to shut it all down again. And people were like, okay, fine. Like we'll go back to takeout. Uh, all right, we, we wanted the back, but okay, whatever. But then it's when all of a sudden our reopening plans changed. At first it was based on COVID positivity rates. And then all of a sudden it changed to a color tiered system where depending on how many positivity rates you had, you're either in the purple tier, which is the worst, or you're in the red tier or the orange tier or the yellow tier. Funny thing is we didn't have a green tier, which means everything could reopen 100%. So it kind of was a bit of a doom and gloom aspect of, are we ever gonna go back to normal? We don't know. 
Because if you disobeyed the tears, you could possibly be thrown in prison, as people were. I mean, somebody in Malibu was arrested for um, surfing on a beach all by themselves. So it was, we didn't know what was really going on here. And then it changed to from the color tiered system to how many ICU beds were available in hospitals. And then things locked down even tighter again after December. And again, everybody in California was confused because we thought, wait a minute, we were told one minute that everything was going to be fine. And then everything goes back into lockdown. And then all of a sudden January rolls around and all of a sudden everything's starting to open again. And now our governor just announced a few weeks ago, we're going to completely reopen June 15th with some restrictions. But now it's like California, wham, we're going to be wide open again. So it's, we've just all been so confused here. It's like, okay, are we open? Are we not open? What's going back? What's not going back? It's been one big headache. Yeah, I hear you. So for us, we went through the phases or whatever. That's what our governor Whitmer was calling it. And it took us a little minute to fully shut down. I remember when we first got back home, she shut like all the schools down. Then around April, she started shutting restaurants, movie theaters and things of that nature. Then by May, I think everything was still shut down and we were trying to move toward reopening. We were supposed to stay closed until the probably the middle of June, but then she went back on her word, I guess because cases were letting up around June and we opened not full capacity, but people were able to start going back into restaurants, entertainment places were starting to open, um, shopping stores and all things like that, like non-essential places were starting to open majority. And you could start going to the parks and beaches. So for me, I was I was happy we opened back up because my birthday's in June, but I was also afraid because I felt like when summer came and everyone were gonna be like back around each other, I'm like, oh, this is gonna get a little, not nasty, but kind of contagious, you know? So I guess it kind of worked out, but then back in October, no, September and October, case started going back up, like, a lot, so she started shutting things down. My university, um, we were supposed, well, not everyone, but it was supposed to be more classes in the fall that were going to be in person, but I want to say a week before everyone moved in, they were like, no, we're going fully online again, so that left a lot of students in the predicament of having to figure out, do they want to stay home? How do they get out of like leasing contracts? Or some couldn't even get out of, con of apartment contracts. So they had kind of like had to stay in East Lansing or wherever else they stayed up there. So Governor Whitmer also got into a lot of um, issues with our government, like our other part of government. And they wanted to get rid of her. They tried to um, murder her. She tried to, she almost got kidnapped. It was a lot of things going on. Like a lot of people hate, hated her a lot and I think they probably still do but eventually around October they took away her powers by then so she couldn't fully shut things down but she did put things in place like we couldn't go into restaurants um I think everything was takeout certain stores had a certain amount of capacity I think for movie theaters they were closed and then I want to say when December fell we were able to have private viewings at like movie theaters. And I think it was a certain capacity at restaurants and 
takeout was still a big thing, but you could still go into stores that probably had like limited capacity. And now a little bit towards January, February, things were okay. And now around this these months, we're back up with cases and she hasn't shut nothing really down because we have the vaccine and everything. I actually, like, I'm going to take a stab at this and I'm going to guess what's happening right now with your state is I think uh, your governor is playing politics. And what I mean by that is since you were just noting how she was one of the most disliked governors in the union, I think she has internal polling people looking and saying, okay, your numbers are in the toilet. And if you want any chance of reelection, you better not close the state down. Again, that's just my guess, but I can actually confirm that here in California because our governor is going to be recalled. We have over 2 million signatures when you only need 1.5. And here's what I think happened. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Chandra. I think there was a time when Michigan was shut down. And I know one of the things that uh, folks in Michigan have is a, like two properties. I know everybody like has a lake property sometimes and everybody has their home property. And I believe your governor did not allow people to go to their lake properties, am I correct? So I do yeah. believe there was, yeah, I do believe there was a report one time that, and also you weren't allowed to ride your boats on the, on the lakes, right? In any of the Great Lakes. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't there a time where Governor Whitmore was caught at her lake house and her husband was jet sailing around on a boat in a lake? I think that really upset a lot of people in Michigan. And granted, it should have, because if we're supposed to do our part, then you're supposed to do your part. Same thing happened here in California. So when Newsom first shut the state down, as I said, I agreed because I thought we need to figure out what we're doing. But then I remember when things started to lock down even tighter. And I remember he came out and even gave conferences telling everyone to do, you know, wear masks, social distance, don't go around people that aren't your family, don't go indoors. And what happens? Photos come out of Gavin Newsom in Northern California in Napa Valley, which is one of the richest area codes in the state. And he was at a restaurant called the French Laundry. When everything else, when none of us were supposed to go anywhere, he was indoors. He was not wearing a mask. He social distanced amongst nobody at his table. And he was at a table full of people that were not his family, just after he told all of us to do that. And as soon as those photos came out, I thought, you know what, whatever happens with Newsom and his recall, or if people are going to go after him, I think it's fair game. Because if you're going to like play the game of hypocrisy, and just as your governor did at that point, tell all of us, here's the rules. And if you disobey them, you're an evil person. But then you go and do it right back and you think, oh, well, no one's going to take pictures of me or no one's going to say anything because I'm the governor and I'm exempt from this. You're wrong. And then when he gave his half-hearted apology the next day of saying, you know, like we can talk about, you know, the, the rights and the wrongs of it, but, you know, I should have just got in my car and got out of there. But you didn't, Governor Newsom. You stayed there. You had, you had a dinner that was probably on average of like $13,000 a plate. And you were there for politics. And just as what happened in Michigan and what's happening in California, if the governors are going to take heat for their own hypocrisy, I think that's fair game. Because if we're doing our part, they should do their part too. I don't really think it's that hard to follow. Yes. So you are correct. It was, I totally forgot about the big thing with, with her in the boat and her husband. So that was an issue because that was like prime, prime time COVID. And she did say that people could not go to their second properties. 
They cannot write write their bolds. It was a big thing. And when that came out, people were like people were already mad, but that just like set them off because it was a contradiction. And I can't exactly remember like what she said to come back that, but it definitely made a lot of people kind of look at her differently and kind of was like, you're a hypocrite. And another thing that also happened with her was she was, she, I think she might've opened like limit, not, she kind of got, how do I say this? She started to backtrack some of her restrictions because her daughter was about to have like a birthday party or a graduation party. So that was a, that was one of the only reasons why we kind of, got a little loose at some point because she didn't want them to call her out for that yeah and it wasn't even just that in our states i mean i remember the the governor of pennsylvania after he had shut his state down he was caught driving across state lines into another state to go eat at a restaurant where stuff was open and i remember even i think something happened with the governor of illinois where he flew with his family on a vacation somewhere after the cdc had recommended no unnecessary travel so I think what had happened when it came to COVID fatigue with everyone is that it wasn't that us as the citizens of the country wanted to disobey. It was that we had rightful gripes with the leaders that put in these restrictions because they weren't even following their own restrictions. And then when they were caught red handed, rather than just admit that they were liars and say, yeah, I'm a hypocrite and I just should take full responsibility. And if you want to recall me or if you want to throw me out, I would understand. They came out with these half-hearted excuses of, well, no, no, we were all, we were all wearing masks at our, at our boat cabin, or, oh, my husband was the only one on the lake, or when I went to that restaurant, it was because it was open. Yeah, but you told Michiganders not to go on lakes. You told them not to go to their houses. Governor of Pennsylvania, you said, do not go to restaurants. Governor of Illinois, do not go on unnecessary traveling. And my governor, don't go indoors in a restaurant, social distance with no mask and people that aren't your family. So I think people rightfully were upset and they have the right to complain because if we're all following the rules and then they're not, then what do they expect to happen? But then the problem with that, as you had just pointed out, is that the solution is then all of a sudden not to drop every single restriction and say, okay, everything's fine now just because you care about your reelection campaign. People's safety is more important than your silly job, which is going to end eventually anyways, because you can't stay in power forever. So that's when it just all went bad, I feel. Yes, I definitely, this is like my total opinion, but in the beginning, I felt like Governor Whitmer, a lot of her restrictions, and I hate to say this, but I felt like she did that only because she wanted to possibly, possibly be a candidate for For vice president, right? Yeah, I knew it. I really felt that way, and I hated to say it because some points were like, okay, maybe she does like really care about us but now just looking at how it is and how it also just shows that nothing has changed like we're in the same boat that we were in last year it just makes me think that all of what happened last year was just for the election yeah and i had also heard uh if i'm not mistaken on this i can i don't mind being fact checked but i remember even michigan was specifically mentioned a few weeks ago as you had talked about the rising cases and michigan was asking the federal government for more vaccines and they said no. And I, like, I don't understand. I don't understand why that happened. I remember seeing a report, I think, that um, the president, for whatever reason, was not going to send more vaccines to Michigan. 
I'm unsure of as to why that is. I hope it has nothing to do with politics. I mean, I know the Johnson and Johnson one was paused right now for the time being for the six blood clot cases there were, but I think we're, we need to, I don't know why, like, I don't know why our governors and sometimes the federal government, I don't know why everyone's messing around with this and playing politics when it comes to people's lives and their safety. I mean, you know, if you're able to reopen, then yeah, people will more than happy to follow the rules. If you let them go back to sporting events, or if you let them go back to school, or if you let them go back into restaurants, ever, because we've all lost so much of it for so long, nobody, I don't think anyone's really going to mess around. Yeah, there might be one or two people that don't want to follow the rules occasionally, but you can't shut a whole state down because there's like one or two people that are going to mess it up for everyone. I think people are, I think people at heart are good and they want to do what is right. And if for the time being, we have to, you know, go through some restrictions, that's fine. Like for me personally, like at Disneyland, how we're going to open on uh, April 30th. We have, we have uh, rules in place where it's going to be 15% capacity, socially distanced, some rides are not going to be open, the park hours are not as long, everybody has to wear masks inside the park unless they're sitting down eating, socially distanced from everyone, of course. And people are more than excited to do that because we haven't had the park open for over a year. And for me, like when I get called back to work, I'm willing to do whatever they ask in terms of regulations and restrictions at the time, because I love what I do. And I will, they tell me because one, they pay for my salary and two, the only reason I'm at school is because of them. So yeah, I'm more than happy to do what's asked of me for the time being. I'm indecisive, but I think I've also kind of learned to live with COVID a little bit i'm used to the restrictions now the mask thing it's like i went through almost all four seasons having to wear a mask so i'm more so just hmm. i'm i feel like here despite the rising cases because i'm still i that's a little skeptical to me because where I live and where I go like shopping, like where I just, where I live, everything seems kind of the same. Like nothing has super changed. And maybe it might've changed because they let all the kids go back to school or something as small as that. But I feel like everyone is taking the precautions that they need to. So that's why I'm kind of confused to where all these cases come from. And a lot of people are actually getting the vaccines. I think that college students, despite what people might say, I think we're probably taking it serious. We're, I think we're a group that's taking it pretty serious. And I think that we can comprehend to know to keep our masks on. I think when it comes to college students, I'd say, you know, they're a bit, I, I do college students take it seriously. I would say yes, but at the same time, is anybody going to lie and go on Instagram and act like we haven't seen people at parties or we haven't seen people at large gatherings or we haven't seen people with people that are not their family? I think we're at the point now because it's almost been two years. And as you said, there's so much misinformation out there. As you said about Michigan, what does it mean? Do you have the highest amount of cases in the nation? Do you have the highest positivity rate? Do you have the highest per week? Do you have the most testing positive in a three-week span? We don't even know what positivity means anymore when it comes to the COVID testing because there's so many metrics that are used and it's just confusing a lot of us. So I, I do understand people's feelings. I feel they're warranted where they say they have a bit of fear. But at the same time, we need to have hope. We need to start preaching messages of hope again and how, you know, just two years ago, everybody was fine. You know, nobody was afraid to go out. No one was afraid to interact with one another. Nobody was scared to go indoors anywhere. 
And I would love to see us get back there. Cause honestly, I can, I'll only speak for myself. I can't speak for anyone else, but I'm personally, my fear was wiped out uh, a while ago. Once everything, like once the cases came and once the big waves happened and once we've gone up and down and then honestly too, like, while I fear for that, you know, we still are, while COVID was here, our problems didn't go away. You know, people still have debt. People still have family issues to take care of. People still have jobs that they don't have and that they're lost and they have bills to pay. They have kids to take care of. So while COVID is a problem, definitely, people still have their other problems. And we have to start helping one another figure out how to solve those problems because people don't understand the way a virus works. You can never kill a virus. You can only contain it. Everyone's saying about the vaccine, like, oh, it's going to kill the virus. No, no, no. We need to rephrase that. Viruses are never killed. They're contained. Like every vaccine we've ever had, if we're growing up, you know, the virus is injected into us, but it's the antibodies that save us. So while COVID-19 is now a virus that is out there, it will be there forever. We can't kill it. But as long as everyone is vaccinated and antibodies are developed through natural immunities, this virus will be beaten. That's what we have to start preaching as well. We can beat this. We will beat this. Things will go back to the way they were. I hope they go back to the way they were because everybody deserves that too. Everybody deserves to have their life back. Everyone deserves to feel safe again. And everyone deserves that message of hope knowing that this will end, we will get through this and that we will all be okay. And I hope that more people start to feel that soon. Of course, there's been terrible times. So many people have been lost. So many people around the world have died, but that's what we do You know, as not only the United States, but as the world, we come together and as long as we're all hopeful and we stand with one another, nothing's going to stop us. I, I don't know if things are going to go back to the way they were. Only because I think, well, for me, this is the first time in my life that something as big has happened, really. But then I, I can't say that my life has changed too much. But that's only speaking because I hadn't lost no one from COVID. I haven't had COVID. So... I don't want to say, oh, life's going to go back to normal or it won't. So I'm kind of indecisive. I think if anything, it has taught me that in the blink of an eye, everything can shut down. And what do you do? I definitely did not expect parts of my college experience to be online. And honestly, when I go back in the fall, I don't know how I'm going to handle it because I know it's not going to be the same as how I left. 10 years from now, 20 years from now, there could be some students in our place right now, you know, wondering, what, we're in a pandemic, ah, what should we do? So what advice would you have to kids in the future who might experience this? So my advice would be to anybody that may experience this in the future, whether it be like, you know, God forbid a year from now, I'm hoping like 10, 20, 30, if not a, a century from now, it's number one, prepare, prepare for anything. And what I mean by that, is okay if you're going to be indoors you know find a hobby that you can do indoors find something that makes you happy that you can do inside second thing i would say is that if there's anybody whether it be a family member or a friend that you're not as close with right now or that maybe you had a falling out of and if you like want to take the first step to rekindle that relationship go for it because there may be a time where you may not be able to see them for a long time or as some people have unfortunately faced you may never see them again because we, as we know, like many people have died from this virus. And even before that, many people, you just never know when it's going to be your time. 
So the next thing I would say is to definitely mend any relationships that you feel that have fallen out over time because you never know when it's going to be the last day. The next thing I would definitely say is make yourself tech savvy as soon as possible. And it doesn't mean you have to all of a sudden start coding and be the next Bill Gates. It's just make sure that you have a, not an expensive, but you know, a affordable computer or an affordable laptop. Make sure you know how to use it as much as you can. Get used to online platforms and familiarize yourself with the educational purposes of technology because one day you're really gonna need it. And not only with the laptop, same thing with the phone. Very, there's good resources out there with YouTube and other comment sections out there with people that'll instruct you how to do it. So I'd say just making sure that you're familiar with that because then you know it could help you. And then the other thing I would say too is just make sure to set your priorities straight as soon as possible with what's important and what's really not important. Sounds good. I think my biggest advice would be to just always remember that, take a break. <laughs> My advice is to take a break because I think that one thing that COVID taught me is we're all too strict. If something like this was to happen again, I feel like people would know what to do, but at first nobody really know, knew what to do. So just take a break sometimes. Take a break from your regular routine and try to find things that serve an interest to you and explore those things because you just never know when you might get time like this. Thank you, Sean, for joining us. I am so happy that you reached out to us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I, I was totally excited to be here. I've, ha I've had a lot of fun. I've always, uh, I've always enjoyed talking to people from other schools. And uh, my dad went to the University of Nebraska, so uh, I have a history with the Big Ten and history with uh, Michigan State. Uh, Love watching the college football games every year, basketball. It's, a, it's an exciting conference, exciting school, and fun people to talk to. So thank you again, Chandra, for having me here. I uh, had a lot of fun. Thank you for tuning in for our last episode of House Lights for the Semester. If you want any more information regarding our podcast, you can find us on the State News Podcast Network on SoundCloud. Have a great summer, and we can't wait to see you all and hear from you in the fall.